as we begin to build, as we begin to move forward, it's not necessarily strategies or ministries, but we make a decision to press on. We make a decision that we have not already attained anything. Are you with me? It's time to say, God, there is more. There is more. We press on. We press in. We pursue you. We desire you. We go after you. As a Christian in your own personal walk, the most dangerous place is when you're standing still. Never get too stuck on your success. Never get too stuck on what's taking place already. Because God has more in store for you. Last night, we spoke about the oil. This morning, we're going to speak about the fire of the Holy Spirit. I taught you last night that the Holy Spirit is symbolized in many different ways. Um, the Bible is actually full of symbolism. In fact, in the book of Revelation specifically, there's probably no other book in Scripture where there is so much symbolism. How many of you believe that it's probably a good idea for us to understand what these symbols mean? I said last night to the group that came out that in our lives today, we see symbols in many different things. Like, for example, if you have a sporting team that you support, um, you know, like the Patriots in football, they play, or do they play tennis? I can't remember. Okay. I, okay. Football. Okay. So, so you guys get upset so quickly. It's unbelievable. Okay. So. They have an emblem. They have that, that logo of the, of, you know, the Patriot, sort of Patriot logo. We all know that logo. That You can see that represents them. You know, so the Bible has symbols too that mean different things that represent many different things. The Holy Spirit is symbolized in different ways. And last night I showed you how the Holy Spirit is a symbol of the Spirit as oil. The anointing oil represents the Holy Spirit. What many people don't understand is that the Spirit was on the earth right at the beginning. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. He was there right at the beginning. He's always been there. He's always been here. Amen. So the Holy Spirit has always been working, and we see Him work in different ways in Scripture, all the way through the Old Testament, right into the New Testament. There is absolutely no contradiction. It all flows together beautifully. One word of God. Two covenants, but one word of God. And there is no contradiction in Scripture. So it's important for us to take a look at some of the symbolisms, what, what, it, what the Holy Spirit represented or how God moved in the Old Testament. And we see how that now flows through into the New Testament, into the lives of every single believer. So this morning we will be talking about the fire. The fire. The Holy Spirit is the fire. In the Old Testament, there's a character that we see very powerfully have an encounter with God. Most of you know the story of Moses. Moses was basically called by God to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. He had chosen Moses to do this. But as we know, Moses had a bit of a detour in his destiny, ended up killing an Egyptian and had to run you know, away from Egypt, and he went into the wilderness. 
And I want you to understand that when we're in our wilderness season, and many of us go through a wilderness type season at different points in our spiritual walk with God, while he was in the wilderness feeling like nothing, feeling like sort of an outcast, running away from destiny, he knew who God was, but he hadn't encountered the Lord. See, there are many Christians today that know who God is, but haven't encountered him personally for themselves, personally, an encounter with God. Moses, we know, goes up the mountain. I've been to that mountain. And when he goes up the mountain, he goes up and there's a bush that is on fire. This burning bush that's on fire begins to speak to, speak to Moses. This is the Lord speaking to him. And the image is of a bush that is burning, that is on fire. What's amazing about Moses, when you see him encounter the Lord in this way as a fire, what happens is, in the beginning, the, the language, the conversation is so interesting because all he does is tell God how he's not worthy, how he's not able. I cannot speak, Lord, because I stutter. Rather use my brother Aaron. And he gave all the excuses of why he was not the right person for the job. I want you to understand that in your journey with God, you will find out that you are not worthy. But he is able. Even through your life to do something amazing. But you see, what Moses didn't realize is that while he was in the presence of the fire of God, while he was in the presence of that burning bush, something began to change in him. You see, when the fire of the Holy Spirit comes, when the fire of God comes, what happens is you will find out that you develop a passion, a zeal for God. You see, the Holy Spirit or the fire of the Holy Spirit is not passion. It is not zeal, but what it does when He comes and He fills your life is He gives you zeal. He gives you passion. So Moses, who had no boldness, no confidence, no, you know, his self-image was low, was able, after he had encountered the presence of God, the fire of God, was able to go and stand before Pharaoh. And I don't know if you've read the Scriptures, but Aaron doesn't say a whole lot. Because Moses was changed because of that fire. You see, the Holy Spirit does a work on the inside of us, begins to change us. It's amazing how Moses doesn't stop there. All throughout Scripture, and when we read about the exodus of the children of Israel into the wilderness, we find out that, that Moses would constantly go up the mountain to be in the presence of God. And then he would come down the mountain after being in the presence of God and his face would be lit up like a flame to the point where the Bible tells us that he would have to put a veil over his face because the people couldn't look at his face. Paul tends to believe it's because the image the, was fading and he didn't want people to know. But I do believe in the beginning it was most certainly burning. So he would come down, he would go and spend time in the presence of God. And while he was in the presence of God, that fire, that flame of the Lord would begin to burn on him. And he became like a fire himself. And he would come down and he would speak the word of God. And there would be a convicting power. And the people would heed the words of Moses. Why? Because the Lord was on him. That was the fire that was burning on Moses. This is not something that is unusual in Scripture, but happens over and over and over. And the Bible has something to say about this fire when it comes to Jesus. You see, Scripture tells us that when John the Baptist encountered Jesus and saw Him, this is what he said about Him in Matthew 3, 
verse number 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Watch this now. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, when the Holy Spirit comes on the life of a believer, once He comes upon you, He doesn't just come to fill you up and to, and, to, and to give you fruit, but He brings a fire as well. He causes your life, when you give your life to Him, when you surrender your heart to Him, He causes your life to be filled with zeal and passion to burn for God. Jesus was the one who would be the baptizer of the Holy Spirit and fire. We see this. And it's interesting because it's almost the same picture with the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were all in one accord, in one place, they were up in the, in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. This is what the Bible says in Acts 2 verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, don't you just love it when the Bible says suddenly? Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole place where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, everybody say, as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. The Holy Spirit rushed into the room. They were all busy interceding and praying and suddenly he comes upon them. And they begin to speak in tongues. And the Bible describes this encounter as an encounter with divided tongues of fire that sat upon each of them. They already knew the Lord. They'd walked with Jesus. But suddenly, when the Holy Spirit came upon them and this fire came upon their lives, they began to be totally changed. They already had received the Holy Spirit when Jesus blew on them when He encountered them the first time after His resurrection. But now he comes upon them, rushes over them, and their mouths are filled with fire and tongues, and they're speaking in tongues. And the very person that denies Jesus, whose confidence is probably still wavering, suddenly something happens. He gets up and he begins to speak. And when he speaks, it's like the fire that fell on him is coming out of his mouth. And he's speaking words the Bible says that the people's hearts were cut. They, they were cut to heart. And they began to say, what must we do to be saved? While Peter, the one who was a coward, the one who, who denied God, and I don't say that flippantly, we probably all would have done the same thing. So I'm not mocking him. I want you to realize how intense it must have been. But once the Spirit came upon him and that fire began to burn, there was a zeal and a passion that came upon Peter. And not only Peter, all the disciples, because from that moment, they were never the same. They were willing to give their lives to the death. They were willing to become sacrifices. They were willing to give it all. Why? Because they had encountered God. And they had seen everything that Jesus had done for them and for you and I so that we can experience that salvation. The fire came on them, never the same. They were never the same after that. See, the Bible tells us something very powerful. Watch this. John 8 verse 12. 
Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. How many of you know that Jesus was light? He still is. He's light. He's the light of the world. And when Jesus came to the earth, he was burning with fire, with passion, with zeal. He loved the Lord. He did everything his father said. He did nothing but that I see my father do. He gave his entire life. In fact, not only did he die for you, but he lived for you too. He sacrificed everything and he burned because of it. He was burning. It was a light and people could see that light. And when they came to the light, the Bible says that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness cannot comprehend it because of the light that was on Jesus. People were drawn to him and people were delivered. People with issues of blood were cured. People that were broken and lame were healed. The brokenhearted was was cured. People that had demons and were oppressed, the, the demons were cast out. They were never the same because they were drawn to that light but you see it doesn't end there it doesn't stop there because the Bible tells us Jesus says these words he says in Matthew 5 14 you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He tells us that, listen, I'm the light. But he knew that when he would go, the same fire, the same spirit that was on him would now come upon you and I. And we would become that light. We would be filled with that light. Let me tell you something. There's either light or there's darkness. There's nothing in between. John says, listen, if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Is the fire burning or isn't it? It either is or it isn't. Amen. Are you with me, guys? So it's clear and evident that the same fire, the same zeal and passion we would also get. How many of you have ever heard the saying, the passion of the Christ? He had a passion. He gave everything for you and I. Guess what? We should have that same passion. We should have that same zeal. And the one who gives you that zeal is the Holy Spirit. He comes as a fire. And he comes and he comes upon you and he ignites you and he changes you and he gives you that zeal. He gives you that passion. At the same time, not only is he giving you zeal and passion, but he begins to transform you. You see, he's a refiner's fire. He comes and his fire comes upon you. And when you develop that zeal and that passion, now you begin to be able to overcome sin. You see, we know that He comes to burn away the chaff, to burn away the rubbish. He comes and and, and what happens is because of that zeal, because of that passion, now you have a desire to serve God, not out of obligation. Oh, you know, it's so difficult. I've got to do this and I've got to, what, the four commandments, ten commandments. You try, you can't remember. But the Holy Spirit that's burning in you He begins to help you. He begins to strengthen you. And out of the desire of your heart, you see, the Bible doesn't say you must serve the Lord. Nobody else. The Bible says you must love Him. Because if you love Him, that's the only way you can be transformed. Salvation is not a quick, easy, get out of jail free card. 
It is you giving your life to someone who gave his life to you. It's not cheap. It cost him everything. Everything. That refiner's fire will purify us. Look at this, Malachi 3 verse number 2 says, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. That fire will come and begin to change your heart, begin to draw you to God. That's how you overcome sin. You overcome sin when not when you focus on the sin. You overcome sin when you're meeting with the master. And in the presence of the master, the fire comes and your focus shifts from what you can't do to what you can do. I can worship you. I can exalt you. I can magnify you. I can give my life to you. I can choose to give everything to you. That's how you overcome. There's nothing cheap about it. Are you with me, guys? Many people want to know, what do I have to do for that fire to come upon me? What do I have to do? How, how do I, you know, I've given my life to Jesus and I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit, but I want that fire of the Spirit to come and burn on me so that I can burn for Him. I can have that passion, that zeal. How is it that for, I've been saved now for over 20 years. I don't even know how many years it is, but I'm still just as zealous and fiery and passionate as I was right in the beginning. What is it? How did I do it? What did I do? I'm so glad you're asking so many questions this morning. Let's go to 1 Kings 18, 17. This is such a powerful story in the Old Testament that paints the picture so beautifully. You guys all okay? You see, in this story, we see an interesting situation play out. What's basically happened is that Ahab has become king, King Ahab, probably the worst king in Scripture. And he's married to Jezebel, who all she wants to do is silence the voice of God and turn the hearts of God's people to worship other gods, to worship idols, to worship Baal specifically. And so the children of Israel begin to waver. They begin to serve two gods, the God of Israel, Isaac and Jacob, and they also begin to worship Baal because Jezebel has set up altars all over Israel and the people are beginning to go and the people are beginning to worship Baal because sometimes things don't go as you want them to. And when they don't go as we want them to, we think the solution to our problem will be found in the world. Or some other thing will satisfy us or our need. And the truth is, is that it never really does. If you're honest with yourself, any fix is temporary in the world. Whereas what he fixes, he fixed for eternity. For eternity. So let's have a look at what happens. First Kings 18, 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, is this you, 
O traveler of Israel. So as you can see, they don't have a great relationship. Elijah is a prophet of God that is, let me tell you something, he is on fire for God. This guy is zealous, passionate, fiery, and dangerous. And him and King Ahab do not get along. So Ahab sees him and says, is this you, O, o, traveler, o traveler of Israel? And he answered, Elijah answered, and he I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Baals. In other words, you have, you have, you have left God and you begin to do your own thing. You've gone after false idols. You've gone after false religion, and you have led the children of Israel to do the same. That's what he's saying. Now, therefore, send and gather all of Israel to me. This is now Elijah speaking. Bring all of Israel to me on Mount Carmel. And 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. So I want you to see this picture. Elijah says, listen, because you must understand that God is upset that his children are serving two masters, that they are divided, that they are not serving him with their whole heart, but they are wavering and serving other gods. So, he, so the prophet goes and says, listen, let's bring the children of Israel. Let's sort this thing out once and for all. Let's bring the children of Israel and bring the prophets of Baal, 450, and bring the prophets of Asherah and bring them, and I will come and let's sort this out. So Ahab goes and, and gets the prophets of Baal and he gets the children of Israel and they gather together on Mount Carmel. In verse 21, and it says, and Elijah came to all the people. Now Elijah's gonna address the people on Mount Carmel and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. It's amazing how he says, listen, you know, you people, I want you to choose. Follow God or follow Baal. And the people, all they did was stand there and say, well, you know, pretty much nothing. They said nothing. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left the prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So now there's 450 prophets of Baal, one prophet of God. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood but put no fire under it. Then they call upon the name of their gods, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So the, all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So you must understand that God has now called a challenge to all the false gods, to the world system, a challenge to see whose God is truly God. And so 450 
prophets of all, they're going to be able to choose first the offering. So there's no tricks. There's no schemes here. You know, you can pick first your offering. You know, you can come and then you can even call upon your God first. And then I'll call upon my God and we'll see whose God is God. Who's really going to answer? Are you with me, guys? Verse 24. Then, they, then you call upon the name of your gods, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Verse 25. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it. Prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bulls, the bull which they had, which which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. So they've now taken their sacrifice. It's early in the morning. They've laid up their sacrifice. They've prepared their altar, and from morning time until noon time, they are calling on Baal. They're trying to get a response from Baal. Are you with me? So they're calling on Baal, but there's no answer. There's no answer. So they call to Baal saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was noon, at noon, that Elijah mocked them. So now it's noontime. Nothing's happened. And Elijah's saying, listen, what's going on here? Listen, this prophet's cheeky, guys. So he cries out loud to them and he says, hey, cry loud. And he says, for he is a God, either he is meditating. So what is he doing? Is he meditating or is he busy? The word busy there in the Hebrew means to be on the toilet. So Elijah is saying to this God, to the prophets of Baal, listen, is your God busy meditating or is he sitting on the toilet? I don't know why they didn't just put that in there. It would have been so much better, you know. Or is he on a journey? Or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So now they're getting upset. And so they cried aloud, verse 28, and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. So now it's getting serious because nothing's happening. So they revert to satanic rituals and begin to cut to try and form some kind of covenant so that there'll be some response from the false deities in heaven. In the heavens, not in heaven. And they're doing everything they can. And the Bible says in verse 29, and when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the, of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. So now it's been the whole day. 450 prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asher, many, many hundreds of prophets all standing there and the children of Israel with big eyes are watching. And nothing's happening. And they're prophesying and they're trying everything they can. Then Elijah, verse 30, said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. I want you to realize that up until this point, Elijah is just watching and having a laugh. And now it gets serious. He begins to repair the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob. I could teach all day on this. He's busy putting things into order. 
God has a divine order, guys. To whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, fill four water pots of water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So I want you to see that he's done everything in his power to make sure that everyone, the children of Israel and the prophets of Baal can see that there's no funny games here. They didn't even do that with their sacrifice. But I want you to know at this point in the story, their sacrifice is collecting flies. Now they're taking water, pouring water on. He says, that's not enough water. Get some more. Put some more water on. Second time. No, that's not enough water. Put some more water on. They put water on three times. And it came to pass, verse 36, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things, watch this, at your word. You see, when you respond to heaven according to his word and ask, he will give it to you. But it must be in line with his word. Don't ask something not in line with his word and then be disappointed that you don't get the breakthrough. It must line up with what he says. Are you hearing from him or someone else? Or is the desire simply your own? Sometimes God will give you the desire of your heart. He does that. But it must always line up scripturally. It can never contradict his word. Are you with me? So all that Elijah had done was according to the word of the Lord. And that's why God will answer. Now watch. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. That this people may know that you are the Lord God. And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Amen. You see, if you want to know what is required for the fire of God to come and burn in your life, the truth is you must become a sacrifice. You must become that altar. We're not talking about sin. We're talking about your life now. See, you might be saved, but in order for that fire to burn so that you can passionately, zealously burn for Him, what's required for the fire to fall is a sacrifice. Listen, don't think that Jesus wasn't a sacrifice. He was the greatest sacrifice. Therefore, the fire came and burned brightly on him. On the day of Pentecost, that fire fell on those disciples and they gave their lives to the death. Why? Because they'd chosen to serve the Lord. Giving your life to Jesus is not always easy street. It means you have to give your life to him and become a sacrifice. When you choose to make Him the Lord of your life, to truly make Him the Lord of your life, that's when that fire comes. 
and begins to burn. You see, when I was a young man, I, 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 I will never forget it. I was standing in the front of the church. I'd walked into this church for the first time. I'm standing in the front of the church because it was the most powerful service I'd ever encountered and I was prayed for and I could feel the presence of God so strong. I didn't fall over or anything. I was just standing there. And I'm weeping and I'm weeping because something had happened in that service. Standing in the front and the lady who convinced me to come, one of my friend's moms came and stood behind me, tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around and as I turned around, the fire of God hit her to the point where I'd never seen anything like this, where her whole body, I could see her neck and her face turn red and she hit the ground. So when she hit the ground, all of a sudden, I didn't know what was going on and I'm on the ground. I don't know how I ended up on the ground. I never got the manual on falling, you see. So now I'm on the ground and I'm, I'm like, I, 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 you know, I didn't know that you must just lie there and enjoy it. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I need to get up because this is ridiculous. What am I doing on the floor? So I like sort of make my way to my chair on the ground and sort of sit up in the chair. But the fire of God and the power of God is all over because you must understand in that service, I was sitting in the back. I'd never seen anything like this. I'd never been in a place where the presence of God was so strong. I'm sitting in the back. People are worshiping God and they're crying out to Him and there's tears streaming down their face and there are people that are, I've never seen people worship like that. I, was, these people are crazy. That's what I thought. They're all mad. And I'm watching them and I'm, but I can't control my heart. My heart's beating so fast and, and, and I can feel something changing on the inside of me. I can feel something happening on the inside of me. And I remember... Amen. I remember, I remember when, when, I was, when, I was, when I was standing in the front, I remember, you see what happened was, it wasn't what happened in the front, it's what happened in the back. Because that was the day that when I was in church, I'd grown up in a Christian home. I'd been in church, I'd seen the Lord do stuff, but I'd never experienced this. And I was sitting in the back and I remember saying to God, Lord, I want to give my whole life to you. No altar call, nothing. I did it long before the pastor did anything, guys. My heart was broken. And I was crying out to God in the back of the church. I was becoming a sacrifice. I was giving my life to Him. That's what was happening. That's why the fire fell that day. And I want you to know that what, that wasn't the only day I had to make that decision. The Bible says that you have to die daily. You see, in order for the oil in your lamp to continue to burn, you have to keep keeping it full. Are you with me? First Thessalonians 5.19 says this, do not quench the spirit. It's interesting because the word quench in the Greek actually means to put out or to extinguish. So what must not be put out? What, what do you extinguish? What do you put out? A fire. So when the Bible says that we shouldn't put or quench the Holy Spirit, it's saying don't put the fire of the Spirit out in your life. You have to keep on coming to Him. You see, Jesus makes it very clear in Scripture what this is like. He likens it to a marriage. And says that Jesus is the bridegroom who did what? Gave his life. 
for the church, who is his bride. I want you to know, men, if you want to have a good marriage, you must die. And listen, the people in the last service were like, yeah, I'm going to die. Woo! <laughs> okay, I'm not telling the truth. <laughs> but the truth is, you want to know. Well, you know, my wife has to do this, and she has to do this, and she has to do that. Then I'll be a great husband. Or let's rather put it this way. She must first submit to me. Then I will be a good husband. Then I'll cherish her. Then I will love her. Brother, have you read the Bible? Because you see in Scripture, it says that the man gave his life for the bride. Oh, but don't, don't clap too loud, ladies. <laughs> Because when He gives His life for you, you must give your life back to Him and submit to Him and love Him and honor Him. Are you with me? But how can we as men expect our wives to submit to us and to honor us and to, to basically just, you know, my wife is so awesome, guys. Let me tell you, I am such a blessed man. But the day my life went from good to exceptional was the day that I chose to die. Was the day that the day, and I'm still dying every day. It's a it's a hard thing sometimes. Amen. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. But what I found out was that when I said, "Listen, the two shall become one," that's what Scripture says. So it's no longer my life, but it's our life, and I have to change. You see, what you don't understand is that there's no difference in your salvation. It's the same thing. But watch what the Bible says. The Bible says this, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some people read this and go, that's not reasonable. No, it's not reasonable. It's an honor for me. It's an honor for me. Why? Because he gave his life first. So how can I not love him back? How can I not honor Him? How can I not submit to Him? How can I not give my life to Him? If you want the fire of the Spirit to burn, you see, that's why many people come to salvation but never experience the fire of God. And the reason why is because they have never given their life to Him truly. You will experience His fire. You will experience what I'm talking about, His passion. His, you'll experience that when you become that sacrifice. When you say, Lord, I give my life to you. It's my reasonable service after what you have done for me. Do you realize, do you really truly grasp what Jesus has really done for you by dying on that cross for you? It's unbelievable, guys. That truly is great grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I'm not suggesting that you must be perfect because you most definitely are not. I know because I am not. But because of that grace, I keep coming back to Him. I keep coming back to Him even when I make mistakes. I keep coming back. 
It's an honor for me. It's a privilege for me. And when I come back with a surrendered heart, with a broken heart, the fire comes. That's how you can keep serving Him. Even when it goes rough, even when it goes hard, when it's difficult, you can keep doing it because that fire is there because your motivation for serving Him is not just getting to heaven. But your motivation is you have realized, you have come to understand what was done for you so that you could have life, not eternal life only, life here and into eternity abundantly. There are many promises in Scripture that are so powerful, but we never really even understand them because we don't realize the goodness of God. Well, I've got nothing to sing about the goodness of God. Let me tell you something. This morning I woke up really early and I was spending time with God and man, I felt the fire of God so strong. I knew the Lord would move powerfully this morning. And I began to speak to the Lord about my family. And I said to God, I'm so thankful, God, for my amazing wife, for my beautiful daughter, for my incredible little son. And I just, I'm so thankful, God. I'm so thankful for the church. I'm so thankful for what you have done for me. I'm so thankful for the salvation. Lord, I don't know, I really, that song, Amazing Grace, you saved a wretch. Like, I'm still a wretch, but you love me. And I'm so grateful, God. I'm so grateful. Surely it's my reasonable service to say, Lord, my life is not my own. You have given everything for me. I want to serve you back. I want to give my heart to you back. I want to love you back. That's when the fire comes. That's when the fire falls. The fire falls on a sacrificed life, on a person that says, here I am, Lord. One more scripture. We're almost done. Are you guys okay? All right. See, Leviticus 6.12, it teaches us something about this fire. Watch this. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering on, in, in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. What's amazing about that altar is that it had to keep, it had to keep a flame all the time. In Scripture, we learn about the menorah as well. How the menorah, where the oil was, the, the, the lamps of the Spirit, the, the lamps of the flames of fire, the seven spirits of God. I don't want to get into all of that, but basically you can see that the priests also there had to constantly fill that oil to keep those little flames burning. If you want to keep the fire burning in your life, you must keep adding fuel to it. You keep, what does that mean? That means you have to keep coming back to God. You see, the most valuable thing that you have is your relationship with Him. But you think He doesn't know when you don't really want to spend time with Him? I'm not saying that you must pray 20 hours a day where the Bible says that we must pray without ceasing. I truly believe that what it's saying is you must have a consistent prayer life. Don't stop. Because if you stop, you're going to stop and you're going to find it hard to start again one day. But if you every day get up, like David said, early in the morning, will I seek thee? 
or whenever it is that you find your time to come to God on a daily basis or regularly come and spend time with Him, draw near to Him and say, Lord, my life is not my own. You are my God. You are my King. You have done everything for me. I want to give my heart, my life back to You. I want You to know that the fire will keep coming, will keep burning, and You will be on a flame for Him. And wherever You go, You will let that light shine to the world. And that's when people's lives will be delivered. That's when people's lives will be changed. That's when people will be encountered when they see that light because of the fire of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit that will burn inside your life forever. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a big clap. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take a seat for just a moment. Okay, you did it before I even, you guys are fast. <laughs> you see, the truth is, is that many people have never experienced that because they have never really said, Lord, I give my life to you. I come to you and give my heart to you. I make you Lord of my life. That is following Jesus. I'm not saying anything about perfection, guys. I'm simply saying that you say to the Lord, I have made a decision to give my life to you, to truly serve you. And we can talk about how that all works, but I'm not gonna do that now. But if you've come here this morning and you know in your heart that you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to challenge you to do it now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. If you've come here this morning and you say, Pastor Alex, this morning I don't want to leave here without making Jesus Lord of my life. I want to give my heart to Him. I want to give my life to Him this morning. It's my reasonable service because of what He's done. Slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Don't be afraid. Hands going up all over. God bless you. 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 I see your hand. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you in the back. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you right in the back. I see your hand. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. So many hands went up. If you've come here this morning and maybe you served the Lord before, but you know that that fire's gone out or is almost out. It's like there's just a little embers left. And you say, Pastor Alex, I need to get back to God. I need to give my heart to Him again. I want to follow Him with all of my heart. The picture of the prodigal son is one of the most beautiful stories in Scripture of what the Father does to when someone comes back to Him and says, here I am. I'm back with you, God. I'm back with you, Father. If that's you this morning and you want to recommit your life to Jesus, quickly slip your hand up so I can include you in this prayer. God bless you. 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 So many hands. God bless you. Now, let me ask you, don't be afraid. Everyone that raised your hand, come. The Bible says if, that you, are, if you will not confess His name in front of people, He will not confess your name. Come to the front. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Come. Don't be afraid. You've made this decision. Come to the front. Quickly. Come on. There were so many of you. Come. Come, come, don't stay in your seat. Don't stay in your seat. Come quickly. Come quickly. Make way for them, guys. Make way for them. Come, come, come. God bless you. So many people raise their hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. If you're still in your seat and you want to come quickly, please come. Please come. We would love to have you come and join us this morning. Amen. 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 <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Now, those of you that are standing in the front here this morning, this is a decision that has to come from your heart. 
The Bible says if you confess the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that, that He died and rose again, you will be saved. You will make him, if you make Him Lord of your life, you will be saved. If you make a decision this morning to truly give your heart to Him, nothing will be the same again. I promise you it's the most wonderful journey. It's not always easy, but it's so wonderful to serve God. It's the greatest adventure that you'll ever go on. So if I can ask you, church, to stretch your hands out towards them. Those of you standing in the front, we're going to pray together. And I'm going to come down and just quickly bless you afterwards. And I'm going to ask my leaders to come as well, please, and just stand behind them. Let's all pray this together. Everybody, let's pray. But especially you in the front, let's pray. Father, I come to you today. Today, I give my heart to you. Today, I give my life to you. I believe Jesus died and rose again, that He is the Son of God. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me for my sins. Today, Lord, write my name in the book of life. I surrender, Lord. Now fill them, Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray right now, Father, that you bless this wonderful couple. Bless them, Lord. Let this be a new beginning for them. Let this be a new start. Sir, you are going to be so blessed. You already are blessed, but you will see the blessing of God increase in your life. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed, Dave. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be made whole this morning in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, everything's going to change for you. Everything's going to change for you. That fear, that depression, it's going to leave in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Father, just bring your deliverance and your healing power into their lives. This is a new start for you. You've been looking and searching, but now you have found the true light, the true life. In Jesus' name. Here we go, new beginning. Be free right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, what a precious man. Father, thank you. Just bless him. Bless him. Bless her, Lord. Bless him, Father. In Jesus' name, you are such a blessing. Man. Bless her, Lord. Bless him, Father. In Jesus' name, just bless them. This is a new start for you, okay? Now you can rest. Now you can rest. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. This is a new beginning. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You guys are so precious, man. So precious, so precious. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name. This word is for you, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap, amen. If all of you standing in the front will look over there, there's that handsome Cuban pastor over there of ours. <laughs> And he wants to just walk with you. He wants to meet you. There's someone behind you that would love to just pray with you. We are so thankful to God for what has happened in your life this morning. Come on, church. Let's give them a round of applause. If you can just follow him out. They'll be back. You'll be back in like just a few minutes. You can come back for the rest of the service. Don't go anywhere. We're not done yet. Amen. Take a seat for just a moment. We're nearly done. Come on. Let's give the Lord one more clap. Isn't this amazing? Amen. 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 All right. Now remember, 
We have two more sessions tonight and tomorrow morning. Tonight it will be totally different. We're going to talk about a different symbol, expression of the Spirit. It's going to be very powerful. I'm so excited. Tonight I'm going to be ministering out of one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's like, I love it. And I believe it will really bless you. Don't miss any of these services because every one of them is different. But I can tell you, like, I mean, I could feel this morning when I woke up, I wasn't the same. And last night, whatever happened in this place, I tell you what, the Lord began to stir my heart. And I believe He's doing it with each and every one of you as well. Monday night, I'll lay hands on you for every one of these expressions of the Spirit. That it'll come on you. The fire, the, the Spirit will burn. There'll be rivers of living water that'll come out of your belly. That the oil of the Spirit will fill you up. But what I want to do this morning is if you've come here, we're going to end with this. If you've come here this morning and you feel as though your fire is dwindled down, that you've maybe lost that fire. You say, Pastor Alex, this morning I've been serving God, but I just really feel like that I need that fire again in my life. I want to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to lay hands on you, but I'd like you to come. Come quickly. Don't stay in your seat. If that's you and you know I'm talking to you, come to the front quickly. Man, this morning this altar was full. It was bad to be in your seat in the first service, I'm just saying. So if you want to come, come. If you don't want to come, don't worry, you're not bad. You're okay. You'll be included in the prayer in your seat, don't worry. But there's something special about coming to the altar, amen? Let me tell you, when I was young, if there was a call like this, I'd be standing right here. Right there, every time, no question. Amen. 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 Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you this morning, to fill you afresh, to fill you with His fire. Don't forget, now come back tonight and tomorrow. We're going to continue with this, but I believe right now that He will give you a fresh touch of His presence. No hype, nothing like that, no shouting, nothing like that. Just going to ask the Holy Spirit to move. And how many of you know He's so good, He will do it. So if I can ask every one of you, just stretch your hands out towards them. If you want to receive this as well, this is for you too. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you're standing in the front, just surrender your heart to Him. Don't look at me, just focus on God right now. Just ask the Holy Spirit. The Bible says if you ask, you'll receive. Ask Him to fill you. Say, Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Father, according to your word, as they ask, surely you will give your Holy Spirit to them. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would fill them up, God. Not only these in the front, but also those that are in their seats, Lord. That you will fill them afresh. That you will fill them with fire. Fill them up, Holy Spirit. Come and touch them. Ignite their hearts again, Father. Some of these that have been passionate about you in the past, but have maybe lost their way just a little bit. But God's about to fill you again in a big way. You, in a big way. In a big way. Fill them, Lord. Fill them. Fill them, Holy Spirit. Fill them, Holy Spirit. There He is. There He is. Just fill them up. Just fill them up. Just receive. Just receive. It's not me. I can't do anything for you. It's the Holy Spirit. Fill them, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. You are the baptizer, Jesus. Come and fill them now with your Holy Spirit and with fire. In Jesus' name. There He is. There He is. The presence of God is so strong. Just fill them up, God. Fill them up. Fill them up. Fill them up. Fill them up. There He is. So precious. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill him up, God. Fill him up, fill him up. There he is. A peace that surpasses understanding. A joy unspeakable. Just fill him. Just fill him. Just fill him. There we go. It doesn't have to be loud or anything. Remember, in that service, I just stood there and the Lord began to touch my heart right now in Jesus' name. Just experience his love and his power and his presence. His presence is so strong on some of you already. God is busy touching you. God is touching you so powerfully. So powerfully in Jesus' name. Right now, just receive, just receive, just receive. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There we go. There we go. Fire, Lord. Let that fire fall. Let that fire fall on their hearts, God. Let that fire fall on their hearts, Lord. Let your fire, Holy Spirit, come in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let them burn bright, Lord, like never before. Let them become a light to this world. Let them burn bright, Lord. Put them in places where people will see your light shine in their lives. Let them be totally transformed in the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus. Just continue now. Just receive. Just receive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. So beautiful. Can you feel the presence of God? Man, it's so strong. I tell you what. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done this morning. Let it be a deep work, Lord. Let it be a work that is inside our hearts, God. Let that fire burn bright in the lives of every person in this place. Those in the front and those in their seats and even those watching online, Father, I pray for them that your fire would come upon them, Lord. That they would be like Peter, that they would be like Moses, that they would be like David, that they would be like Jesus. And we will serve you and love you. For surely your goodness is everlasting. Your mercy endures forever. We honor you. We thank you. Lord, we are so grateful for what you have done this weekend so far. We are so thankful. Now I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Spirit be with each and every one of you as you go this morning. Go in his peace and his joy. In Jesus' name, amen.